Warning, the following podcast contains explicit language, and it doesn't even have Lucinda's soft and inviting voice to take the edge off of it this week. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by everyone's favorite Lord of the Rings-themed cover song by Middle Earth, Wind, and Fire. Every rose has its Arathorn. Arathorn, guys. You guys never respond during the intro. I thought that was funny, the Arathorn thing. All right. Cool, this is fun. This is fun. And now, The Scathing Atheist. Hello, everybody. This is Tim. And Matt from Atheism 101. Long-time listeners of The Scathing Atheist will know that the last time we did a Farnsworth quote was way back in episode 36. What? They won't remember that. Of course they will. Remember when Noah trashed me for my really shitty monkey noises? No, only you remember that. Well, I've been practicing. Can I just... Go ahead. Enjoy the show, everyone. But remember, we did, in fact, evolve from filthy monkey people. Here I go. <clears throat> He's not going to think that was you. Shut the fuck up, man. I really need this. Enjoy, Enjoy the show. show. Eek, eek. It's December 7th. And Chad's reign of terror has finally ended. <laughs> yeah, I'm No Illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And from New York, New York, Secret Lair, Pennsylvania, this is the Scathing Atheist. On this week's episode, the Supreme Court rules you have to make a gay couple a wedding cake, but you, you no longer have to watch them fuck it for something. I don't know. <laughs> Fans of Fly Like a Smeagol are super pissed about their favorite song getting snubbed in the sponsor. And Andrew <laughs> Torres will be here to tell us how long before we reinstitute trial by ordeal. But first, the diatribe. My brother and I were not allowed to use biblical inspiration when we played pretend. That was a rule. See, okay, my, my parents didn't take us to church. They just mixed in the religious bullshit along with the real stuff when we asked them questions about the world. And when you don't make a full effort to indoctrinate a curious kid, they tend to separate out the feel-good nonsense pretty early. So even back then, I looked at the Bible as somewhere between a textbook and a comic book, but it didn't have any particular reverence for me. It was just, you know, it was the least interesting book on the shelf with the encyclopedias and atlases and shit. Now, my best friend was a kid who lived down the road by the name of David, and his parents were at least a little more devout than mine. They, they weren't regular churchgoers, but they went often enough that he knew the basics. So when he suggested that we play superheroes, but with biblical characters, my brother and I said, why the fuck not? So we went down the list of characters and all their different powers. David wanted to be Jesus, of course, and we were willing to let him have it because when you come down to it, his powers are kind of crappy. Right? He's invincible, which is useful, and he had the power to bring us back to life if we got killed. But other than that, and multiplying loaves, he didn't have much to offer. My brother, on the other hand, was Moses. And uh, we figured out Moses had water manipulation and plague powers. 
I, of course, was Noah, and after much discussion, we decided that Noah had control over all the animals and could summon them at will. So we spent the afternoon running around the neighborhood fighting imaginary demons and hiding from Satan until eventually one of us got thirsty and we had to make an excuse to go into the house and get a glass of water. But this is pretend, and we didn't fuck around when it came to playing pretend, so we stayed in character and we pretended that this was an inn or something that we were going into, you know, hoping not to be seen by our enemies or whatever. Now, I got to make clear that the, at this point, the dynamic of our relationship here, David was the Eli of our group, right? My brother was always the leader. David was always the goofball. And I was, you know, I don't know, the, the lead guitarist with Mystique. But the key here is that no matter who we were pretending to be, that dynamic remained in place. So as we're walking through the house with our eyes peeled for imaginary antagonists, my brother says something to David along the lines of, stop acting so stupid, Jesus, which my mom overhears and predictably freaks the fuck out. Now, I say predictably because I'm telling you the story and you will have predicted that my brother calling Jesus stupid didn't sit well with my Christian mother. But for me, it was wildly unexpected. You know, up to that point, we'd never discovered anybody that was off limits for a game of pretend. And I was baffled that such a line should exist. So, so my mom scolds us for blasphemy. And that sounds really bad. She sends David home, sends me and my brother to our room. And that was my first lesson in reverence. Now, after the fact, my mother came back and tried to explain why we weren't allowed to play Jesus anymore, but nothing she said made any sense. We, we probed for a line that separated Jesus from all the historical and fictional characters. It was okay to pretend David was, but it was to no avail. I was being asked for the first time to put Jesus in a special category of one that couldn't be rationally articulated or logically justified. And though I could not have known it at the time, that would be a running theme in my life. Of course, we really didn't care, ultimately. Playing Jesus, Noah, and Moses was David's idea in the first place. And it was kind of lame. But we didn't like being told we weren't allowed to do something. And we didn't like getting in trouble for weird shit that didn't make any sense. You know, nothing got under my skin as a kid more than an unanswered why, especially one that meant that David had to go home before it was even dinner time. Now, it would take a couple of years to find my answer, and, and, and I would ultimately find it at a Sunday school. A series of unfortunate twists came about, and my brother and I wound up in a Mormon church one Sunday with my grandparents, and there comes a point in the service where they gather up all the kids and shuffle them off to a little room of indoctrination and fear, so they dive into their spiel about hell and lie monsters and shit, and I have questions, a lot of questions, and normally that's a good thing, right? Like 99 times out of 100, if I'm sitting in chairs with other kids and a grown-up is teaching us something, I get rewarded for asking good questions. And I wanted to be good at this. So I asked a lot of questions and I was not rewarded for it. In fact, after the third or fourth time I stumped elder chin pimples with a basic logical question about heaven, I was escorted out of the room and invited to draw at my very own table. And I knew I was in trouble, but I had no idea why again. Right. When astronomy didn't make sense to me, I got a trip to the planetarium. When history didn't make sense, I got a trip to the museum. When religion didn't make sense, I got in trouble. It was the only thing I was being actively discouraged from thinking about. And even at the ripe old age of nine, that was a red flag for me. You know, I had an older brother. I knew all about being lied to. I knew all about the flustered rage people went into when you started asking too many questions about their lie. What's more, I knew the difference between that and them just not knowing the answer. You know, I was a curious enough kid to stump the adults around me with questions on all kinds of subjects from time to time. You know, sometimes I would ask my dad shit about science that left him scratching his chin, but that ended up in a trip to the library that weekend, not a stern talking to. 
When I stumped my teachers, they were proud of me. And yet here's this category of things that's not true enough to stand up to scrutiny, but not false enough for a game of pretend. See, the question I've been wrestling with was, why would people discourage me from thinking about something if it was true? And my mistake was assuming that question had an answer. See, the epiphany here is that they wouldn't. And that this reverence was just a survival mechanism. It was a shell for the helpless slug inside. Of course, in order for religion to survive, it needs that shell. Because I was a pretty bright kid, but I was still nine years old when I puzzled this shit out. And without reverence, that's about the best religion can hope for. Their lie is almost good enough to sneak past the bullshit detector of a bright-for-his-age nine-year-old. So unless it's insulated by reverence, it doesn't stand a chance. And that means that everything we do to chip away at that reverence threatens to bring down the whole edifice. Every dismissive meme is a grain of sand shifting under their ranks. Every time you say, God damn it, or make a joke about Jesus's crucifixion holes, their shield gets thinner. And that matters when every question is an arrow and your armor is made of bullshit. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are two men of modest stillness and humility until the blast of Christmas blows in their ears, Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick. Fellas, are you ready to imitate the action of the tiger, stiffen the sinews, summon up the blood, and disguise fair nature with hard-favored rage? Um, not a big Francis Bacon fan. <laughs> <laughs> It's fun because I'm a big fan of killing you with a hammer. (laughs) It used to say something different than notes. And I was like, I feel like you should be pissed about this. I feel like you should be pissed. All right. In our lead story tonight, Shakespeare's stuff was written by Francis Bacon. Standard. A lot of historical evidence on that. So uh, the U.S. Supreme Court announced on Monday that they're refusing to hear an appeal of a Texas ruling that could end up allowing the city of Houston to deny spousal benefits to same-sex couples. In related news, the high court also began oral arguments in the case of the Colorado penis cake this week, Mm -hmm. which we'll be talking about in the next story. Point being, they can only handle, uh, I guess, one gay thing at a time, Mm -hmm. or else they get distracted (laughs) by all the pairs of dicks and pairs of vaginas (laughs) flying around. So they're playing it safe. Just going one at a time. I get it, though, right? Because... Then it feels like you're doing the gay day and it all blends together. You want some variety, you know, gay stuff, church and state, Muslim band, gay stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Spice up your work week. Yeah, exactly. There's a formula here. And to be fair, Clarence Thomas can be distracted by his own eyelids. So that and gay stuff is asking an awful lot. (laughs) uh, Well, now whenever I do Clarence Thomas, he's going to intermittently scream because the lights go out. (laughs) I just think that oh, 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 no, it's all right. It's all right. The doctor's I was went away. I was bleeding. <laughs> all right. So uh, here's a little background on the Texas case. In 2013, Anise Parker, uh, mayor of Houston at the time, declared gay people to uh, be people. Despite and, Jesus. Yeah. Ew, <laughs> and, uh, granted insurance benefits to any same-sex marriage partners of local municipal workers. In response, a Christian pastor and a Christian accountant Named Pigeon and Hicks. No. Decided, yep, decided, <laughs> they decided to sue the city for being gay. At which point, I'm assuming they went back to being uh, buddy cops who are both the racist white guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Opening credits is just them shooting Amadou Duallo 800 times over poppy 80s music. As long as we shot a brother, <laughs> we got a quiddle right in our hands, baby, you and me. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. So uh, somehow the Pigeon and Hicks case 
was successful for them. Seems like it should have stalled out when the bailiff was like, okay, all rise for the matter of Pigeon and Hicks v. At which point the judge would be like, I'm going to stop you right there, bailiff. Whoever's against Pigeon and Hicks is the winner, and we're done here. This is ridiculous. But uh, this was Texas, so Pigeon and Hicks won. That ruling was later reversed, though, following the Obergefell ruling. But then last June, the Texas Supreme Court threw out that reversal, and the suing Houston to stop giving gay people human rights is once again underway. And the U.S. Supreme Court is officially cool with that as of this yeah. week. Yeah. Damn it. We said marry, not be merry. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well right. Because the SCOTUS gives them the marriage, but then you got to go out and buy the expansion packs. That's how they get you. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, just for the record, the argument from the, the bigots legal team goes something like this. Obergefell let them use the word marriage, but that's it. Still not giving them equal rights, you know. The Emancipation Proclamation said they can call themselves people. We're not, like, letting them drive on roads and stuff. Right, yeah. Essentially the (laughs) argument. And just in case that wasn't absurd and horrible enough, they even tried to compare this to abortion. Uh, Ready? Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. Compare it to abortion. They claim that Obergefell doesn't guarantee spousal benefits, just like Roe v. Wade doesn't guarantee subsidized abortions. How the fuck do you get there? I, you know, I mean, I'll admit the fetus bounty, it's a little high, but still, like, that's, that's ridiculous. Okay. One, Heath, I think you misunderstood that phrase. And two, I really need you to move that garbage bag full of fetuses out of the hallway. It's right outside of my room and it smells. No, I'm going to move it. Uh, bottom line, the Supreme Court decided to let a Texas court make sure gay people get treated fairly. That's the strategy. And they seem fine with opening the door for making the Obergefell decision essentially meaningless. What the fuck is happening? At open args, by the way. Yeah, right. (laughs) Well, we'll get our chance. And in Baker's Dozen News tonight, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments in the case of Masterpiece Cake Shop versus the Gays on Tuesday, where defendant Jack Phillips, a Colorado baker, refused to sell a cake to gay people because they're gay and he's Christian. And if you're thinking to yourself, how can that possibly be a case that made it to the Supreme Court? I'm with you. Mm. I get it. And I'm going to have to call in the big guns to answer that question. So joining us now is the host of the Opening Arguments podcast, Andrew Torres. Andrew is a practicing lawyer, a vociferous atheist activist, and a pretty fun guy to tour the South Pacific with. Andrew, welcome back, sir. (laughs) Noah, he thanks for having me back on the show. Hey, you bet, you bet. Now, of course, uh, Andrew's here, so we had to put Eli in a little room by himself. He's listening to some music. He'll be back. (laughs) Um, So first things first, was my description uh, a fair characterization of the case before the court? Uh, Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, there's there's one tiny distinction that the uh, bigot side is trying to make that we're going to talk about, but uh, that's how I would describe it. Okay, so how does something like this, I mean... The, 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 law, the law already says you have to, like, sell the stuff that you sell to everybody. In Colorado, sexual orientation is a protected class. So how the fuck is this even before the Supreme Court to begin with? Okay, so you've got two questions there. The, the latter part of the question, right, how is this before the Supreme Court is, 
the Supreme Court only needs four votes to grant certiorari in any particular case. Uh, and we have four dedicated right-wing judicial activists on the Supreme Court. Uh, they wanted to, t- and, they, and I'm not, this is not conspiracy. This is not a joke, right? They wanted to take this case to make new law and they did, and they might uh, make new law out of it. So we have conservative political activists who want to chip away at gay rights on the court. That's how this case, there, there's no other explanation. for it. Okay. So you're saying that Merrick Garland being on the court would have changed this vote for Sir Shirora? Uh, yeah, but I think a lot of people got a message, so it's it's probably oh okay. good. Yeah, no. I forgot. No, I, I hadn't considered the message. You <laughs> the made messaging. Point. There's a it's, this is good. It's, it's yeah. good to, to to make your vote yeah. useless. No, without that, that four is Roberts, Alito, Thomas, and Gorsuch. Mm. Right, minus Gorsuch, you only have three, and they don't get to start awarding cert in plainly uh, ridiculous cases like this. Yeah. Mm. All right. So so let's at least give a nod to the arguments on the other side. I'm going to yeah. bounce a, a few bad arguments off of you. And and if you would, just tell me the, uh, from a legal perspective why these are bad. Um, and, and we're going to start with the ones coming from the defendant's lawyers, as I understand them. So um, does religious freedom include the right not to serve gay people? No. And, and interestingly, in this case, and only in this case, even the, the lawyers for the Alliance Defending Freedom are not, uh, are not arguing that. Right. They're not saying it is part of our free exercise claim to be able to to refuse service to uh, homosexuals. In, in fact, the very first question. Right. So the ADF lawyers, they're the petitioners. They lost below. So they go first. And the uh, ADF lawyer basically says, hi, my name is. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg interrupts with a question. <laughs> here's the question she asked. Right? Good. Good. On, good on her. She says. Right. And this is this is the, the, the central issue. She says, what if it's an item off the shelf? That is, they don't commission a cake just for the gay couple, but they, they walk into the shop. They see a lovely cake. They say, we'd like to purchase that for the celebration of our marriage tonight. The Colorado law would prohibit that. Would you claim that you're entitled to an exception? And this is out of the mouths of their lawyers. It's the only time they're going to say this, by the way. Absolutely not. The compelled speech doctrine is triggered by compelled speech, and in the context of a pre-made cake, that is not compelled speech. Right. So here's the game, right? That's the argument they're going to make before the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court, if they buy that argument, is going to come up with a bizarre doctrine to try and distinguish as what counts as compelled speech and what counts as off the shelf. And the next case the answer to that question is going to be yes. The next case, they're going to be honest. But this is a wedge in the door and there's a giant hammer coming behind. It. Yeah, right. OK, so that that seems to be where all the arguments come back to. They call they talk about free speech. And, and I feel stupid asking this, but what is the difference between free speech and selling a person a cake? <laughs> Andrew, <laughs> <laughs> you'd, you, you'd think I mean, it it it. You might feel stupid asking that, but um, in an hour-long oral argument, the justices of the Supreme Court essentially spent their time asking that uh, this Tuesday. So um, so you're at least in good company. Obviously, I, I mean, obviously to any person, I think in the abstract, strip out the political context and you say, does putting three layers down 
slapping some pink fondant on it and piping some rosettes out of frosting <laughs> count as expression? And most people would say no, right? Like that's not, that's terrible because, because there is a real compelled speech aspect, right? Like you, you could imagine a law that says all podcasts have to begin their broadcast with the Lord's Prayer, right? Or even if it were neutral, even if all podcasts have to begin their broadcast with, you know, a statement acknowledging that Donald Trump is the correct and rightful president of the United States, right? Like that, those would, that, that would violate the First Amendment. Yeah, well, yeah, new, religiously. Okay. Neutral. <laughs> um, well, both of them are it, e- equally possible and, and are on my list of what ifs. You know, I have a contingency for both of those plans, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll so we'll get we'll we'll get like a twelve year old kid to come in and record it and do it like really sarcastically, <laughs> and then it'll be, it'll, it'll be a great lawsuit. But right, so that's what compelled speech is, right? It is telling somebody they must say a thing. Now the question is, is designing a cake more like telling somebody they must say a thing, or is it more like just doing your job and? And 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 to me, it's pretty obvious. And and what I would say that that goes hand in hand with that is that there's a case from 2006. It's Rumsfeld versus the Forum for Academic and Institutional Rights. Okay, and in that case, uh, there was a there was a small liberal arts college that did not want to hand out flyers from the Department of Defense. Did not want to allow. Uh, military recruiting on campus and and to, you know, they, they at the campus employment uh, center and counseling center, you know, they have the little boxes and different employers would put their stuff in the boxes. And they said, no, we're not going to put flyers for the military because we oppose the Iraq war and uh, and get out. And the Supreme Court decided that that's not compelled speech to have military pamphlets in the boxes outside your college counselor's office, even if the college disagrees with the content of those pamphlets, right? Mm -hmm. So if actual speech is not compelled speech, (laughs) I don't know how a cake is compelled speech, Right. And and there are some great questions. I mean, we could go through this. There, there's some great questions where I uh, I think it's uh, it's just as Sotomayor uh, says, like, OK, you walk by a wedding cake. What message is that conveying? To you? Right. Like, well, right. And, and, I mean, corporations are cakes, right? Based on <laughs> Citizens United. So I feel like there's some kind of argument here. I get what I, th- I think I get what they're saying. Yeah. Um, And and look, there's there's no good answer. Uh, But but that's the argument. The argument Mm. is it is my artistic expression and forcing me to utilize my expression in an area where I'd rather not is akin to compelled speech and compelled speech violates the First Amendment. Therefore, uh go away gay people yeah there's a lot of this artist shit and it's like yeah you know like the, the subway guy's a sandwich artist so he doesn't have to make a foot long if you're gay yeah all right so it, it, moving along the bullet points of bad arguments anytime gay people want to get married and have baked goods there there's bound to be a nazi who wants to buy a cake from a kosher bakery so how is this any different from forcing horowitz's <laughs> house of hamantaschen to serve hitler a cake with a uh, with a swastika on it <laughs> so there's there are wow. two answers to this. That's I mean, that argument one. is, is <laughs> that's a tricky it's one. So, it's a good thing we have the so Supreme stupid. Court for stuff like this, <laughs> right? Yeah, 
it's so stupid that there's there's a very very simple argument and then there's kind of the the the, the lengthier legal argument. So the real easy thing is Nazis aren't a protected class, right? Right. And then yeah. and then the kind of lengthier <laughs> argument is that as long as Horowitz's House of Amentation agrees to sell or not sell the same selection of cakes to the same selection of individuals who come in. Even if Nazis were a protected class, they would be fine, right? So, in other words, we don't make Nazi cakes, so you can't come in and request one is very different from we do make wedding cakes, but you can't come in and request. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, it seems to me the words sounded differently just now when you said yeah, them. Disanalogy. <laughs> yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, boy, I'll tell you what. It, it, in the last ten years, there have been so goddamn many Nazis needing cakes if uh, for 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 analogies to work. All right. <laughs> So now I want to offer up my least favorite argument for this kind of shit, the sort of libertarian argument. Won't the market just sort this out, though? After all, if one bakery is discriminating against gays, won't that won't that invisible hand just open up some other bakery that isn't? Sure. And and the way I'd answer that is um, what what are there more of bake shops or restaurants in New York City? Mm-hmm. Right. Because that because that's that that argument is an argument against the Civil Rights Act. Right. It, it, it's an argument for segregated lunch counters. Right. Like, Well, if you say no blacks at the lunch counter, then they'll just go find another lunch counter. And and you know what? Like there are a hell of a lot more lunch counters, restaurants. There were there were a lot more places to eat in New York City uh, in, in the 1950s than there are cake shops right now. But guess what? All of them put up signs that said no colors, right? Mm -hmm. That, that's what, that's what invidious discrimination means. And so, like, yeah, in New York City, can you probably find another bake shop? Yeah, you probably can. In Colorado Springs, Colorado, and that's, this case is not a Colorado Springs case, but I'm just picking the home of focus on the family. Like, there probably is not a cake shop within a hundred miles of Colorado Springs, Colorado, uh, that's going to serve uh, a gay couple if this case passes, right? There's probably not a cake shop in all of Utah outside of Salt Lake City that's going to serve a gay couple uh, if this passes. So, you know, it is that 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 uh, the market argument ignores, you know, history. Yeah. Okay, devil's advocate. Didn't the Civil Rights Act of 1964 kind of like fuck up the business for the, you know, not segregated lunch counters? Didn't like that guy <laughs> Like he was doing, killing it right before like that. The penis cake shops are going to be like ruined by this because now everybody's going to have to serve the penis cakes. That's it. The DOJ is just looking out for uh, for job creators. I can see. Yeah, that. yeah. It's it's it, that's an interesting like protectionism for penis cake shops and discriminatory lunch counters. That's right. I that's that pretty much could be the the platform of the libertarian. I think party. you're anti-gay. <laughs> if anything, Andrew Torres. <laughs> I mean, I honestly can't imagine much of what was being offered to the Supreme Court on Tuesday was better than that argument. So, okay, so let's talk civil rights law, because, again, this sort of like hits at the very heart of civil rights law. What would a narrow decision look like here? I mean, is there a way that the Supreme Court can rule in favor of the homophobic baker without gutting all of civil rights law? I I don't think so. And and, and I'm, I'm. Sorry to say that because uh, I, I would I've been trying to come up with sort of a, a soft landing, uh, if you will, and uh, and I don't see it. And the reason I don't see it is because the issue was framed the way I set it out, right? Like what counts as speech and is therefore compelled speech. 
And in order to rule in favor of, of the cake shop, you have to say making a cake for somebody you don't like counts as compelled speech. And you have to pick a line, right? You have to say, well, obviously, like, you know, just, uh, you know, handing a bag of flour to uh, a gay couple is not compelled speech. Uh, but, you know, mixing that flour with some eggs <laughs> is compelled speech, right? And and I don't think we're going to see eggs, right? Like the eggs doctrine yeah, come right, out of the Supreme right. Court, right? Like, compelled so, speech I, begins at inception, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> when it touches the egg. Yeah. Oh, it's, uh, okay, damn. Yeah, because I, I was trying to think of the same thing. Like, how in the hell do you draw a, a, a boundary that would that would include like you know whatever wedding photographers and cake bakers but wouldn't include ambulance drivers and doctors or pharmacists <laughs> yep. or yeah i mean yeah right. like it it's i i can't usually you know when you sort of tee up a test case you would want to tee up a case with better facts than this right like this this is in my mind this just sort of shows how much power the, the 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 religious right wields on the Supreme Court and in our country because because the facts of this case are terrible, right? Like, I mean, this is it's not it's not the same thing. Like, you could start with wedding photographer, you know, people who make scrapbooks or something. I, I don't mm. know something that actually has real words on it, right? Because a wedding cake doesn't even have words on it, right? A wedding cake, I, I don't know. It it's it looks bad, and and if it goes through, uh, I can't. I can't see that it will that there's a, a way to really limit the damage. And like I said, the worst is yet to come, right? Because the ADF is lying. They sent out their lawyers to say, oh no, like our guys are perfectly happy to sell, you know, off-the-shelf cupcakes to uh to gay people. And we know that's not true because there have been a dozen cases with florists, right? Mm. And you don't get, like, a, there, there's no artistic expression in a flower, right? Like that literally, it's a plant that you grew. Right. So, I mean, I guess in the arrangement or, you know, baby's breath counts as, but like that will be, that will be the next argument through. Right. If, if this yeah. case rules in favor of Masterpiece Cake Shop, then the next time will be, well, hey, look, if cake bakers can do it, then, you know, I shouldn't have to sell cars to gay people. Right. Because who knows what they're going to, where they're going to drive that car to and what's going to happen afterwards. I shouldn't have to rent a hotel to a gay couple. Right. Right. And it's, sales is an art. You know, it's, yeah. I, I have to talk to these people. And yeah. yeah. Right. That's there's, speech. There's, there's at least as much speech there <sighs> as there is in pipe out of fondant rose wow see and my next question is what okay what does the worst case scenario decision look like because that, i assumed that yeah right case. i assumed that there was some <laughs> lower level okay so when when do we know the supreme court will probably rule on this uh in the late summer early early fall okay um, yeah now i, I need a, a fucking year to decide this <laughs> yeah. are you kidding yeah. me no, that's believe me, that's good because uh, I I think I I don't have a lot of evidence for this. It's it's just anecdotal, but but I've actually talked to a, a Supreme Court clerk who is an ex debater of mine, and I think that Neil Gorsuch is the like Ted Cruz of the Supreme Court, right? Like I think he's just so personally obnoxious that like every time he talks to Anthony Kennedy, Anthony Kennedy is slightly more likely to vote with the left. So uh, I'm okay with giving him more time. All right. So, okay. And then that, that tees up my next question. Given your uh, expertise in these matters, how do you see this going? Well, and, and first let me undercut my own expertise, which is I thought that Trinity Lutheran was 
Uh, again, not not so obviously the other way is to be laughable, but obvious enough the other way that I did a three-part series on it <laughs> on my podcast of this is what a superficially plausible but bad argument looks like. Yeah. I really thought it was going to go the other way, and I thought it was possible it might be 6-3 the other way, let alone uh, the outcome we got. So my job as a prognosticator is um, in, in really uh, serious jeopardy. That being said, um, Obviously, it's going to be a 5-4 decision. It's going to depend on what Anthony Kennedy does. And Anthony Kennedy has a really long and distinguished record on the court of voting with the side of civil rights, particularly in gay rights cases. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are making a lot about oral argument. And, you know, he seemed to have some some critical questions regarding the Colorado uh, Equal Protection Commission's record below I'm on record as saying I don't think oral arguments matter as much as the briefs and and matter as as the precedent. Uh, I think it's pretty clear here. And I think Kennedy's going to come around, but that may just be overly optimistic. But um, it's going to be five, four either way. And uh, and it's going to come down to Anthony Kennedy and start, you know, encouraging Kennedy to hang out with Gorsuch more or something. I don't know. Yeah, we'll send him to a father-son dance or something like that. <laughs> All right, well, Andrew, thanks for shedding a little light on that for us. Uh, and of course, if you'd like to hear more of the latest in legal news, be sure to check out Opening Arguments, which you'll find linked in the show notes for this episode. Andrew, thanks again. Thank you so much for having me on. Bye, Andrew. I'm sorry I didn't get to ask any questions. I had some, but Noah said <laughs> that's illegal to ask on the air. Lost so in the edit. It's fine. Talk to you later. I'll text you or I'll text your son. You answer those faster. Anyway, and in... Yeah, he does. He gets right. Hey, what? Uh, the answer is this. And I don't, they had to buy him a new phone. It was adorable. Oh, and he was all these. upset because his friends lost. I don't want to get into it. Anyways. <laughs> and in getting the band back together news tonight, after nearly a year trying to stop Donald Trump from fucking all the Muslims, the Supreme Court decided to concede to his request for a hand job this week so he can tell 37% of the country he got laid. Yeah. At camp. Her, yeah. her name was... Desk. <laughs> Desk. Desky. So just a reminder for those who have been hiding in their bomb shelter since 2016, this ban began as Donald Trump's promise to ban all the Muslims from the country until we get this whole thing figured out. But as the timeline for Donald Trump figuring anything out ever stretches into infinity, a series of court rejections gave us the mutilated, still kind of racist ban that will go into effect last week pending appeal. It's kind of like your racist grandpa wrote you a card about what a whore you are for dating a black boy for Christmas, <laughs> and then your grandma scratched that out and and then wrote, grandpa says hi instead. <laughs> the law. Yeah. It's like that, the law. Right, but also your grandparents still won't let black people in their house. Yeah, right, right, right. exactly. Being the or key. North Korean people, like they're trying to hide <laughs> it. They've added some weird categories, right. So the ban, like all attempts to make people feel safe from nebulous concepts like uh, radical Islamic terror. Uh, is that nebulous? Well, after they detonate the vest. After they <laughs> Yeah, it's all over the place. Right, so... Uh, is now a bloated, useless thing, placing varying levels of restrictions on foreign nationals from eight countries. See if you can find the pattern here. Chad, Iran, <laughs> Libya, North Korea, Syria, Venezuela, what? Somalia, 
and Yemen. Find the pattern. Find the pattern. <laughs> and I guarantee you, Trump had Puerto Rico on that list until somebody was like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> that's, that's, that's America. You can't. Yeah, nope. South America. I, <laughs> I feel like Chaz just on there because he's still pissed that that kid from fourth grade got his own country. There's no country called Donald. <laughs> Fuck those people. Now, you may have noticed that notably missing from this list are you know, Saudi Arabia, Lebanon, and Egypt, which listeners may remember as being the countries where all the 9-11 hijackers were from. But yeah. don't worry. Don't worry. The looming threat from Chad has been stopped. <laughs> Honestly, at the rate white people commit terrorism, there's going to be more terrorists named Chad than from Chad by the end of the year. <laughs> right. And in Roy Moore could still become a U.S. senator. What the fuck news? Well, yeah. Yep. Very likely, in fact. Here's a tweet that was at the top of my feed when I woke up the other day uh, from comedian Trayvon Free, uh, full frontal. He's a writer. Uh, quote, has any other president ever called a child molester from Air Force One to offer words of encouragement? This is probably a first for America, right? We can just assume that, right? That Donald Trump is the first president to call a child molester from Air Force One. Okay, good. End quote. So that's how my day started. Oh, yeah. Fun. No, but I bet they've called popes and shit. That counts. That still See, counts. <laughs> it's because of the hustle and bustle of four shows that prevents me from performing a cover of Adele's Hello with new lyrics right now. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> this is why we need more time. So, uh, Roy Moore is... Hello, uh, you're a pedophile! <laughs> <laughs> Would have been beautiful. I was working on it last night while Anna was trying to cook or... <laughs> Talk to her dying grandmother or something. I don't know. I wasn't paying attention, but I got a really, I'm sorry because you got caught. It was a whole thing, but I, I couldn't get it together. I got a piano. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, Roy Moore, who looks like he always just told himself a joke with the N-word and is laughing <laughs> hilariously at himself, was accused by multiple sources of being a child molester last month. And yet he's still a viable candidate, in fact, leading to become Alabama's next U.S. senator after the special election next week. According to the most recent CBS poll, he's actually ahead by six points right now. <laughs> yep. Yep. And according to a recent poll by The Washington Post, 79% of Republicans and 78% of white evangelicals are supporting him. Perhaps they read an article in The Federalist that explains how pedophiles... Well, you know, they're not ideal, but at least they aren't abortionists like yeah. the other candidate, Doug Jones. Right. Yeah, mm. exactly. As as long as the person poking around in that 16-year-old girl's vagina isn't a doctor, Alabamans are okay with it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, God. here's a little glimpse into the minds of the Alabama voter uh, from a numbers perspective. The child molester accusations came out on November 10th, at which point Roy Moore had a decent lead in the polls. It took an entire week before Alabama voters had a chance to, I guess, think that through and decide as a group that maybe the other guy, the not accused pedophile, was a better pick. Right. But then they thought about that some more. <laughs> exactly. And after about 10 more days, Roy Moore was back in the lead again. 10 days. 10 days. And then on Monday morning, the president of the United States called Roy Moore from Air Force One to directly endorse him and offer encouragement. Where the fuck am I? <laughs> America, Heath. And you guys, <sighs> you're being too negative. Look, I like this honesty. 
right? I liked G.I. Joe because I didn't ever have to watch CNN have chummy interviews with Cobra Commander on G.I. Joe. You know <laughs> it's refreshing. And when he wins, we all get to stop having hope, right? And we all get to stop being like, well, maybe <laughs> I should get out of my echo. My uncle's a good guy. No, your uncle's not a good guy. He voted for a pedophile. You don't have to pretend he is anymore. You're free. You're free. <laughs> There's the silver lining. There's the silver lining. And in bad for even an Estan country news tonight, six are dead and hundreds more injured after a clerical error made insane Pakistani Muslims completely lose their shit for weeks. The deadly riots centered around a slight rewording of the oath that incoming lawmakers take, which, according to hardline Muslim fundamentalists, altered the language that declared the prophet Muhammad as God's final prophet. The government called the changes a clerical error, but the increasingly militant Barelvi party called it blasphemy and demanded the resignation of law minister Zahid Hamid. Jesus. You just got like two lines of rioters running at each other like Braveheart. Some guy gets on the megaphone last second. Wait, 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 wait. Ran a spell check. We're cool. <laughs> We're cool. It's all good. Only in Islam. Yeah, right. Islam. We're what religion looks like when you mean it. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, the protest began as sit-ins largely centered in Islamabad, but when the government tried to clear out protesters a week in, things turned violent and spread around the nation, culminating in a capitulation by the government last week that included the resignation of the aforementioned law minister who didn't actually do anything. This marked the latest in a series of concessions the Pakistani government has made to hardline Islamic militants, making it ever clearer that the government is only in charge when the religious nuts let them be. Yeah, he said in Trump's America. Uh, it was different before. <laughs> All right, just um, just spitballing here. Maybe we switch out Chad or Venezuela for Pakistan on the ban thing, which we disagree with. Well, yeah, we disagree with the ban. Yeah, we disagree yeah, we with don't. the ban. <laughs> but as long as we have it, I'm just saying, like, why not Pakistan instead yeah, of? Uh, okay, it's good. It's like using grandma's death to make out with your hot cousin. I guess <laughs> it is not like that. No, at all. all right. What? Cousin. Well, this Fast. turned judgy. This show. Wait, I should. I, don't I should care. also note here, by the way. That this was not just a random case of mistaken identity. Okay, Zahid Hamid, the the minister at the center of this whole thing, wasn't actually guilty of blasphemy, whatever the hell that means. But he was intentionally targeted by the Barelvi party for not being bigoted enough towards minority interpretations of Islam. So th this is not a case of religious zealotry run amok. It's a case of religious zealotry doing exactly what it's designed and promoted to do. <laughs> Important note yeah. there. It's working. Religion is working. Yeah, exactly. In situation. Yeah. <laughs> and in backer up news tonight, televangelist, <laughs> end bigger. times preacher. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And convinced <laughs> felon Jim Backer. Baker. He's back Baker. in the news this night. It's, why would it be Baker? There's no E. There is, there is an an e. absolutely an E. I mean, you may have spelled it originally <laughs> without an E. I found it. <laughs> it's, it's carefully hidden after the K's, everyone. All right. Televangelist, end times <laughs> preacher, and convicted felon Jim Baker, if you want to say it that way, if you want to say backer, that's fine too, is back in the news this week after launching his very own 24-7 end times home shopping network. Amazing. That's right. Fantastic. Gone are the worldly desires of Ugly jewelry for sad women and depressing fake swords for sad men because Baker is selling all that stuff plus end of the world supplies 24-7 to, to crazy Christian people. 
you end up fighting Jesus, you're going to need a mouth sword. We have a case of 50 mouth swords of different sizes. Now, the other tagline could be, uh, no, by all means, answer yet. <laughs> Quick before the locusts get here. Now, I want to admit right up front, I have a feeling that the Venn diagram of people who shop on the Home Shopping Network and people who are going to shop on Jim Baker's Home Shopping Network is a circle. Uh, <laughs> but it does make you wonder who the slivers on either side are, right? Like some atheist who's just like, look, this lovely diamond bracelet is a steal at 47 payments of one ninety nine ninety nine. But that motherfucker's a criminal and a liar, right? <laughs> uh, still, my mama didn't raise no fool, which is why we'd like to announce here at The Scathing Atheist our brand new shopping experience, the Atheist Shopping Supply, or ASS. Noah? Roll the clip. And this is a lovely spaghetti monster you see here. Yeah, yeah, sure is, Linda. Yes, sure yes, is. Three carat white gold, and the eyes are real cubic zirconia. Yeah, do not let this pass you by, folks. We only have 788,000 of these left. They are yeah, going fast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. May contain the fingers of Indian children. Of course, of course, obviously. And this is going to give you a really even roast on your babies, folks. No uneven cooking a perfectly roasted baby every single time. Look at that. Look at the meat just fall off the bone. And this blood is not going to last, folks. No, it will coagulate. That's right. Eternal youth, eternal life. Get it now. Tell, tell them about the boat. Right, 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 the boat. Uh, and you can use it to fix a hole in your boat. No fix problem. It right up with the blood. With the blood. Yep. Mm-hmm. And in Harvey Wallbanger news tonight, a disaster recovery bill working its way through Congress with bipartisan support seeks to ensure that the rebuilding efforts in Houston will not include the structural damage done to the wall of separation. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. In response to a lawsuit filed by three Texas churches against FEMA for their stubborn refusal to use taxpayer dollars to rebuild sectarian houses of make-believe instead of homes and necessary infrastructure, lawmakers sought to bypass the pesky judiciary process by overruling FEMA's longstanding policy and just giving the churches whatever the fuck they ask for. <laughs> Next on docket, we have Bill to helicopter drop shitloads of pennies over Houston and wish for better weather. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. But won't the atheists get some of those pennies? Let's let's do the church building thing. <laughs> Sustained. It's like <laughs> if the grasshopper at the end of the fable told the ants they were bigots and then ate all their bread and then raped their kids. It's <laughs> That's a little like. less harsh, but it's kind of like that. No, it's, it's the analogy still holds. So in the latest example of liberals not having the balls to stand up to religion, the bill, H.R. 4460, made its way through committee without the First Amendment really coming up. Instead, it seems like the Democrats in the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee came pre-kowtowed with simple Chamberlainian demands like, at least don't do that bullshit no-bid stuff you did with them two redneck electricians in Puerto Rico. Mm, yeah. <laughs> We gotta let him do this, Frank. Otherwise, no more fun pastors will come to our convention and lie about what Jesus yeah. says. So, so it's gotta go through. <laughs> right. Now, of course, in the halcyon days of all the times Neil Gorsuch wasn't on the Supreme Court, we wouldn't really have to worry about this unconstitutional olive branch because all the aggressive surrender by the elected officials could be countered by those damn judges and that damn consistent reliance on legal precedent interpreting church-state separation. But now the only silver lining is that when your money is handed over to the churches, at least you won't have to know what they did with it since I'm sure they won't be required to account for it. 
And we all know what halcyon means. So <laughs> just say we're all on the same page. It's kind of means light. to have a house. <laughs> and in we don't need no thinking badges news tonight. Question time. <laughs> what does South Carolinian police officers and a Bible study have in common? Uh, a right to taxpayer funding, according to Neil Gorsuch. Uh, similar rules about how long you can knock a black person unconscious. <laughs> Ooh, oh, good answer. Good answer. Oh, uh, good answers all. And in at least one case, far too optimistic. But <laughs> this week, we found out the answer in Newberry, South Carolina, is their brand new government-sponsored Bibles and Badges program with the purpose of, according to their Facebook page, quote, a chance to interact and learn about the Bible with other officers, but to build stronger connections within the community and interact with local religious leaders, end quote. Not adding, unless you're a dirty Jew. Right. Or an atheist. Or, <laughs> or a Muslim. Who are we kidding? This is South Carolina. Yeah. Those right. people. <laughs> All right, come on. Can't wait for the satanic temple to fuck with them about this, though. It's going to end up just being like a bunch of cops in South Carolina reluctantly pouring milk on each other so they can keep the Bible study thing. Like, oh, no, man. Dave, I'm also not enjoying this like you. I don't like this at all. All right, now you 2%, go. 2%, motherfucker. Just me. Can I get almond milk? God damn it, Eli. You, ruined, you have ruined a ruining. Now, as is usually the case when governments sponsor and host religious activities along with the eyebrows so raises the pen of the freedom from religion foundation who sent the mayor a letter this week encouraging to be the eight millionth government official blatantly pushing theocracy to knock it the fuck off yeah because fuck joy and smiling children we hate those Damn. okay <laughs> i'm not allowed to say that but you're allowed to it's fine okay whatever. <laughs> so i for one plan to point out that the bibles are black and you know what they say? Can't study what you've just shot 147 times. Oh, so it should take Christ. care of itself. I'm just walk in and be like, oh, it's got it's a violent book. And they'll be like, it is a violent book. Hey, it was going for my gun. Pay. Yeah. Okay, no, no, that, that works. Hashtag not all cops. And finally tonight. In <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, some of them, I'm just saying. Okay. Yeah, I mean, but this in is South, South Carolina. Carolina so all right. <laughs> You guys know what? All right. Anyway, in uh, fingerprints of <laughs> no, darkness. No, explain what news. you mean. Explain what no, you mean. On our show you, I'm so trying to walk a fence, to. and you're pushing me <laughs> off. Don't. Damn it. Okay. Fingerprints of darkness news. It's a fun pun. We're back sure to you're fun not trying puns. to tie someone to a fence and just leave them there as a sign to the others. <laughs> so, the next story is about a judge in Pennsylvania who ruled last week that Christian people who work with children can refuse fingerprinting for background checks if they think the fingerprinting is actually a plot by Satan, the Prince of Darkness, to brand them with the mark of the beast and send them to hell. Fucking what? Yep. <laughs> and perhaps even worse is the general implication that completely crazy people are allowed to work with children. Yeah. Well... Not just allowed, but allowed to sue their employer if Wiggles the Invisible Clown doesn't get a chair at staff meetings. <laughs> right. Now, right? Is that the new rule? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, quick background on this. Okay. Um, so, there's this rabbi in ancient Israel, <laughs> and he's <laughs> way quicker than that. Way yeah. Quicker. Also, okay. stop tearing the community apart with your wild claims. <laughs> All right. Um, so, uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
So a woman named Bonnie Kate was working as a school bus driver in Altoona, Pennsylvania since 2001. And then in 2015, the state apparently decided they should do some thorough background checks on the people who, you know, have the opportunity to kidnap children twice a day. Not the worst idea. Yeah, no, I like it. But Ms. Kate refused the fingerprinting because her super Christian dad told her that Satan's plan to take over the world relies heavily on bus drivers in Altoona, <laughs> Pennsylvania. Uh, then she got fired for failing to perform a legal job requirement. Uh, she filed a lawsuit and eventually won that lawsuit. Jesus. Again, to clarify, because she thinks the mark of the beast from the Bible is your fingerprints. The is ones her that are finger? Yeah, right. On the well, fingers. But, right, but I, the courts have to do this because if they started deciding which bullshit counted, they'd be excessively entangled. <laughs> or or rather, or rather, they'd be admitting they already fucking are. This is the judicial equivalent of just plugging in that ball of Christmas lights and acting like wad is what you were going for. <laughs> Such bullshit. I'd be so happy to see just a giant wad on somebody's porch. <laughs> Some mad dude just like, okay, you that's know what, what you fuck get. Fuck it, that looks kind of cool too. Wad. Mary. <laughs> yeah, so couldn't uh, find the fucking Christmas. <laughs> Mary. You get it. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, back to uh, this fingerprinting thing. I'm curious what she thinks fingerprinting means. Mm -hmm. What would that, how would the mark, (laughs) anyway, uh, more importantly, I'm wondering why our legal system has gone completely insane. We already have federal and state versions of RIFRA, and now we have yet another court case that seems to be saying Stupid people don't have laws as long as the stupidity is sincerely held. Basically. And here in Pennsylvania, that means lots of people without laws. It's not a good situation. Although we do have a new Patreon goal, which is we will reenact moments from this trial for your money. So just keep that in mind. We will make that happen. (laughs) And I just want to be clear. uh, The like... This pretend thing only works one way. Like, right. If you were allowed to be like, oh, sorry, I'm from the Church of Abortionism, hands off my cooch, it'd be fine. But they're very clearly like, no, no, only our brand of crazy. Well, yeah, only I don't, ours. I don't know about yeah, fine, fine, but it would, fine. Be, yeah, it would be better. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's very clearly, you can't pretend to live in just any old work of fiction. It has to be a David A.R. White movie. <laughs> right. And uh, one last thing. We're not saying that Ms. Kate is a pedophile. No, but, we're not. Because um, that would be illegal. But that would be illegal. But refusing to give fingerprints while working as a school bus driver, that's exactly what a pedophile would do. <laughs> uh, point being, Christianity is once again making it easier for pedophiles. And that's kind of their thing, isn't it? <laughs> and if that's your thing, maybe you shouldn't exist. Maybe we should try. Maybe we shouldn't be allowed. Yeah. Oh, we need a catchy, like... uh we are the world kill a pedophile anthem. I like don't a, think that we you do. Gotta go <laughs> out. You're not allowed to and call for the death of a senator or even uh-huh. a senator elect. <laughs> <All right. laughs> I mean, what people imply is not my fault. I <laughs> <have learned. laughs> like yourself, you, what you imply maybe is your fault. 
Um, Look, Heath is against all <laughs> Black Lives Matter. So like, whoa, <laughs> what was he talking about before? You guys remember that? I'm just saying maybe you take action into your own I'm hands. There's no afterlife. And black. I'm saying all the No, I'm not saying all. Damn it. I'm saying I'm saying first, I'm saying Black Lives Matter. I'm saying that the first most. and then I'm done. And then I'm what? done and moving on. What? You heard what I said earlier. Just take it all together. Damn it. All right. Well, here's <laughs> Eli brought up uh, an, an anthem idea, and sort of speaking of which, we said we were retiring the, the 30 seconds thing last week, but... Yay! Yeah, well, no, I'm thinking we can make an exception once in a while if we uh. really get set up, and I think we got set up, so let's put let's put 29 seconds on the clock, <laughs> we'll say. Um, ideas for the pedophile bus driver mixtape... Go. See, at this rate, this this bit will be gone by episode 1501. We can skip um, as fast as we want. Uh, let's go. Siemens in the sun. Sun. S O N. Siemens. Oh, good. We're not stopping the part of the show I'm worst at. Uh, the squeal on the bus. It's <laughs> pretty good. That is good. Um, how about Roy more than a feeling? <laughs> uh, show me the way to the next candy bar. Wait, by the way, I know the name of that song is Alabama Song, but if I used that, I wouldn't have to change it, so it wouldn't technically be a pun. Had to do uh, Roy Moore, you know. That a song? <laughs> Roy Moore than words, do, yeah. Do, do, do. Those are notes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, I was thinking uh, anything by the Sticky Little Fingerprints. Yeah. Or, uh, or anything by Unmarked Van Halen. <laughs> uh don't stand so close to me. It's just a song, but it's pretty clearly about fucking children. So I didn't like this part. And then they said we were um, no longer doing it. I was thinking maybe kindergarten of earthly delights. Oh. How about swells like tween spirit? <laughs> and with 30 seconds, fans breathing a sigh of relief. We're going to close out the headlines for the night. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Black Lives Matter is and what when I'm going to do. God is going to kill a lady with cancer. Before we hand things over to the outtake this week, I wanted to thank James over at the Bunk Podcast for inviting me on to chat with him on his latest episode. Basically, an hour-long takedown of naturalgreenmommies.com. Had a lot of fun, and despite it being a very new show, James was a real pro through the interview. Strongly encourage you to check it out using the link on the show notes. Anyway, that's all the blast movie we've got for you tonight, but we'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show's Hot Friend God Awful Movies, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday, and an even newer episode of our half-sister show, Citation Needed, debuting at noon Eastern on Wednesday. Obviously, I'd have to make amends in the old way if I neglected to thank Heath Enright for his both dry wit and wet wit. I prefer the wet stuff. I need to thank all the non-Eli things in the universe for being impossible to compare to the incomparable Eli Bosnick. I need to thank Andrew from Opening Arguments one more time for helping us get our heads around the burgeoning judicial theocracy we got going. I want to thank Tim and Matt from the Atheism 101 podcast for providing this week's Farnsworth quote and for Tim's much improved monkey noises. Good to have goals, bro. 
Of course, we'll have their show linked on the show notes as well. I also want to express Lucinda's regret that she couldn't be here again this week. If you're paying attention to our typical tri-weekly schedule, you'll have noticed that we skipped a Book of Mormon segment this week. We're saving it for next week because that's when we're going to get Lucinda back. Uh, so not that much longer to wait. And trust me, you're not missing her anywhere near as much as I am. But most of all, of course, I need to thank this week's most humane humanoids, Mark, Frank, Alex, Charles, Stephen, Caleb, Corey, Amy, Natalie, So and Rowan, Donald, Martin, David, Jacob, Jason, Dave, Sarah, Dustin, Paul, the audience, and Confusion Golf. Mark, Frank, Alex, Charles, Stephen, and Caleb, whose testicles are measured on the Bose scale of mineral hardness. Corey, Amy, Natalie, Sowen, and Rowan, whose IQs are measured in septendecillion squared. Donald Martin, David, Jacob, Jason, and Dave, whose dicks are measured in kilonewtons. And Sarah, Dustin, Paul, the audience, and Confusion Gollum, who can rhyme whatever the fuck they want with orange. Together, these 22 tantalizingly talented, triumphantly titillating typifications of towering tutelage took time to toughen the trail towards traditionalist tyranny this week by giving us money. Not everybody has the alliterative distinctions it takes to give us money, but if you think you're alphabetically stationary enough, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash scathingatheist, whereby you'll earn early access to an ad-free extended edition of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. And if you'd like to help but donating money to podcasts makes you break out and not having enough money, you can also help us a ton by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes, Stitcher, or the podcast podcast rating vehicle of your choice. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres and our audio engineer is Morgan Clark, who also wrote all the music that was used in this episode, which was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingatheist.com. Where is where is it that the Balrog was? I forget. Lord of the Rings. Moria. Moria. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I know. Lord of the Rings, yes. <laughs> Middle Where did Earth. I put my keys? Earth! Earth! <laughs> I know this one! <laughs> the universe! <laughs> Reality! <laughs> All right. The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved.